UFOs, Bigfoot, paranormal input. Go ahead now, get mystical. Mystery and magical. UFOs, not typical. Bigfoot, not typical. You ask me why I'm skeptical. I say questions are questionable. Is the truth alien to you? Alien to get my message through. Aliens might message you. Aliens are sliding through. The wild signal we're plotting to. Algorithms they find is true. Typical. Skeptic. Shut Got no time for no petty germs, pandemic, a pandemic turn, horror still in Amityville, Bayonet in Gettysburg, Mothman, TNT, Factory, Red Eyes, Loki, Dogman, howling in the street, I'm typically skeptic of what I see, Voodoo Hoodoo in New Orleans, Thunderbird, Swamp Thing, is it real, I was wondering, typical, skeptic, show, typical, skeptic, show. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining me for another episode of the Typical Skeptic Podcast. I have a return guest. This is the third time she's been on my show. I have with me the amazing investigative journalist, Mary Joyce. Mary's worked for two major metropolitan newspapers, the Orlando Sentinel in Florida as an artist and columnist, and the Oakland Press in Michigan and as a Sunday magazine editor, then feature editor. On the side, she's written magazine articles and books. In 2008, she's been the main researcher for Sky Ships Over Cashier's website, which features a variety of cutting-edge topics, from UFOs to secret underground bases, from Bigfoot to Cherokee Little People, Mary has gone investigating from mob stories in Detroit, including Jimmy Hoffa's death, to include interviewing people with the highest top secret clearances about clandestine government activities. She's been uh, face-to-face interviews with a whistleblower of, of a top secret cosmic clearance, and uh, even interviews of someone from the inter- inter- infamous international cabal. And her website is skyshipsovercashiers.com, and her books are uh, uh, underground military bases, Cherokee Little People, Tangible Evans, Jesus is Left Behind, Bigfoot Beyond the Pr- Fingerprints, and your newest one, what was the newest one, Mary? The short title is Spy in the Sky. Long title is Spy in the Sky, Secrets and Cover-Ups on Earth and Beyond. And it covers stuff on Mars and the moon and at the bottom of the ocean in Antarctica and around the sun and out in deep space. It's and it's amazing. stuff that I don't think most people have ever seen before it's a it's picture book for adults because i show the satellite imagery of all these things with the coordinates so anybody can find them out find them for themselves yeah but you wanted to talk about something a lot different today we were going to get into underground military bases and this uh this the spy this chinese spot spy thing how did it get into our atmosphere and why didn't anybody shoot it down um, okay. The reason they uh, waited to shoot it down was because if it went down in the Pacific, it's so deep, they wouldn't be able to retrieve any parts. If they shot it down over the country, they were afraid that people would be killed and property would be damaged. So as soon as it left the coast of South Carolina off of Myrtle Beach, they shot it down so it fell within our um, U.S. waters. And uh, well, that's I don't know if they could have Oh, wait, hold on, you froze. The start is on. We're recording. The last thing I heard you say was they waited for it to go off the coast and then they did shoot it down, the spy balloon. Okay, hold on. Are you going to edit to this? Are you going to edit this? If not, then let's start over. I'll edit it. I'll edit it. Okay. 
All right. Can you remember the question you asked? We'll start from scratch with that. The, the question was, why didn't they shoot it down? And they ultimately did, but there's reasons they didn't shoot it down until um, it breached the Atlantic. Uh, if they shot it down over the Pacific, the water is so deep, they wouldn't have been able to retrieve any of this. And they fully expect to get a lot of information from the debris. So that's number one. If they shot it down over the country, they were afraid somebody might be killed and property damaged. So they waited until it left Myrtle Beach and immediately shot it down so that it fell in U.S. waters rather than international waters. So um, it seems to have been well thought out. And uh, I don't—I personally don't have any problem with what they did with it. No, I, I don't either. It's just like, why would the Chinese be so stupid that they would think that they could put that in our 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 air and think that we will? I mean, we have F-35s, we have F-22s, we have uh, SR-71 Blackbirds. We have some of the best technology on the planet. Like, and that's not even talking about what we have as far as UFOs, you know, or drones. Like, so why would they think that they could get away with that? Like, it doesn't make sense to me, you know. There's probably some aspect to this that neither you or I know at this point. I don't know if it'll ever come clean. It's not the first time spy ships have gone into our uh, country, not as far as this, not across the whole country, but the Chinese balloons have done it before. Um, I There's reasons to use a balloon. Uh, number one, uh, it can hover, and they found out that this particular uh, spy balloon had uh, a propeller and it had a rudder. So it could control its movement. It wasn't just a, like a weather balloon that's only moves with the wind. So it could ho hover over strategic places. Now, the places that it was seen the most uh, would be Montana, uh, uh, Missouri, and then of course, going across uh, North Carolina. And I think there's reasons they might want to hover uh, so closely over those areas because they're able, those are hot spots. They're, I mean, I'll, I'll give you an idea. Uh, Malstrom uh, Air Force Base is the largest security force in the United States. It has 150 intercontinental ballistic missiles spread out over almost 14,000 square miles in Montana. It's only one of three bases in the U.S. that can operate uh, the Minutemen uh, uh, missiles for intercontinental uh, use. Uh, so that's a big draw. In fact, even back in 1967, we had a major thing with the ETs where a UFO hovered over uh, Maelstrom and in a split second shut down all 10 ICBMs in their silos all at once. Um, so it's the ETs that are interested in that base also. When you get to Missouri, they have 150 Minutemen uh, you know, ICBM uh, silos. So that would make an interesting point there. And then when you get over to North Carolina, Western North Carolina, where I live, I've written a book about five uh, secret underground military bases here in our mountains. So there might be other underground facilities in the West that I haven't researched. I know there are, but I can't speak for it because I haven't done the research myself. Um, so the underground facilities uh, and the nuclear weapons, um, I think they wanted to hover, the Chinese wanted to hover over those, those areas. They wanted to collect 
I don't know, it could have been radio communications, things that they can't get so well from a satellite that's locked into orbit. Um, a satellite is constantly going in a predictable orbit, and so it would only pass over someplace for X amount of time. Um, that balloon could hover uh, as long as it wanted to, probably, and uh, collect, uh, let's say, radio information where they could get the whole message instead of maybe just part of it. Well, how did they find out that it was in fact Chinese? Like, was there any confirmation on that? Do we know for sure that it was? I haven't heard anybody on either side of the political aisle debate uh, the reality that it was a, a Chinese um, spy balloon. Um, there's been no debate about that from anyone. And we live in a time when everybody's fussing with everybody. And so even the people who fuss at each other agree that it's a Chinese balloon, not from somewhere else. Wow, this is so interesting. Like, I, I, it makes me wonder, like, what, what the deeper issue is with, uh, I mean, like, do you think this means something bigger? Or are they just been, I think people have been doing this for, I mean, we do this to other countries all the time, right? We fly our drones over countries, like, you know, we've been really bad about that, the United States, like, we've been, I mean, like, what, what are your thoughts on that? Like, we're all doing it. All the big countries are doing it, so we can't really fault them. But the thing that makes this case different is they flew, the Chinese flew over the entire width of the continental United States, um, and that can't be ignored. Yeah, that, yeah, that you would think that something would have been done beforehand, right? Because what all, <laughs> I mean, what, what, what real time information do you think they were, they were able to get? Like, do you think they had something? like transmitting data real time back to them? Or do you think they had to wait and retrieve the balloon and then get the information almost like a tape recorder? I think everything is sophisticated now that they could send it while they're collecting it. Uh, that's my own feeling. I'm not an expert on this, so I can't say absolutely that would be it. But all of the equipment now has been uh, you know, shrunk down. It's so small that um, the weight of it's not a problem anymore. At one time, a balloon could not carry the equipment that would be needed to do successful spy work. Now they can because everything has been miniaturized. Um, a good example is my cell phone. Um, it's more powerful than what got us to the moon the first time. So the smaller <laughs> things get, the, the more that can be accomplished. That's funny to think that there are, I mean, yeah, it's funny. Like when you, when you talk about cell phone cameras, like the cell phone cameras nowadays are more advanced than some of the cameras that they used to make movies off of. You know what I mean? Like they really are. It's, it's really insane. The technology and that would, that, that could go on a whole different conversation as to how we got technologically advanced so fast. I don't know if that was ET. I mean, we could actually talk about that before we get into the deep underground military bases. Cause it's interesting. Like, do you believe Colonel Corso, you know, like when you remember when he came on Art Bell and said that, you know, a lot of the technology that we got, and if you look at the leaps and bounds we've made in technology, that it was reached, Colonel Corso said that it was retrieved from, you know, crashes like Roswell, there were other crashes, um, you know, they, he said that's where we got uh, stuff, weird stuff like Velcro from, he said that's where we got um, Wi-Fi from, and, 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 uh, I can't remember what else, but do, do you know that story and do you agree with it? He's not He's not the only one. There's a whole lot of them that have come out over the years uh, saying that that's how we got so much of our technology. But it wasn't just by reverse engineering uh, crash vehicles. Uh, a real good example of that is uh, um, 
let's see, uh, William Tompkin. And he worked at the highest levels at NASA. He actually worked for NASA before it officially became NASA. He worked directly for Von Braun. Um, and he's written a book right now. I don't think I can think of the title. But um, he said that the reason we made such great progress in our space program, and it was rather rapid, uh, was because there were ETs working with the engineers at NASA. And he said that they um, all looked like beautiful, um, perfect uh, women, um, you know, that some people might say would be like Pleiadian. Um, but he said that they would, these women uh, who supposedly were secretaries would give them just the information they needed to take the next step to do something. And again, his name is William Tompkin. Um, if you just type in his name in Amazon, I'm sure the name of his book will come up. But that's a, a competent man who's told us that uh, ETs themselves ha helped us with our technology, not just going through, you know, the remains of a crash. Yeah, I've heard his interviews. They're interesting. I think he said, like, the way he said it was like, uh, it goes back to like Maria Orsic and the Germans and then like the Nordics for us. Like, I think he said, like you said, that like the Nordics were kind of helping us. But then he, this was dull during World War II, right? And he said that the, uh, the, the like the, the like reptilians were kind of helping the germans like and it was like a race it was like a space race like it was uh but it was like with with heavy et involvement and there was a lot of things going on behind the scenes that people didn't know about and this was also maybe the start of what we would think of as the secret space program right or no well it took a while for the secret space program to become public knowledge but we've been delving into big deep deep space for a long long time and I know you and I have already talked about my book, Spy in the Sky. There is so much visual evidence from Google satellites um, that we are well-established there on, on the planet. Um, and there's a man who was the head of Israeli security, um, Chaim Bashid, and he had that job for almost 30 years. He went public in December of 2020 and told the Jerusalem Post that uh, uh, the American astronauts were involved with ETs uh, working below the surface in Mars. And what I personally found a number of things that supported that idea is number one, when I started scanning the planet Mars from north to south, instead of right to left or left to right, I found 27 square cut entrances, modern, not left over from another civilization, all in a line spread out over 16 miles. That's another thing that supports um, the idea that um, there's some major things going on in Mars. So when, when we hear people talk about, well, in the future, we're gonna do this on Mars, we're already doing things on Mars. Why do you think, it, I mean, like, I don't know if you and I have ever talked about this, but like, why do you think they would keep it hidden from the public? Like, I, I mean, I, I, I kind of have my ideas as to why, but like, it's not just Mars, like, it's the moon, too. You found stuff on the moon as well, right? Um, I don't know why they want to hide so much. I mean, yeah, I found a pyramid on the moon. I didn't expect to find anything on the moon because um, they've been airbrushing moon photos and UFO photos from the backside of the moon for literally decades now. And so I thought, no, I'm not going to find a thing. But I did find a white pyramid 
that was 28 feet longer than a football field on each side, which is pretty good size. And it's on the side of the moon facing Earth. And again, I have the coordinates in the book, uh, Spy in the Sky, so that other people can go and find it. Yeah, I, there's other people that have said that there's a lot going on in the moon. You know, like uh, Terry Lovelace, the abductee, um, he said he had an encounter where he was with some ETs and they, they took him to the moon and uh, he, he was able to see like, what you know, like he was, he was with some kind of hybrid encounter. And I believe Terry, I think he's really credible. Um, and then I have a buddy, we go, he goes by the name of Miles Moonbases and he takes pictures of the moon and he thinks that they're drilling up there. He thinks that there's like major drilling going on. Like, have you heard of this? And what do you think? Well, I do know we did a story on our website a, a number of years ago where there's a, a company. I cannot come up with any names for you right now, but there's a company where the investors um, want to mine the moon because there are some um, minerals that are hard to get on Earth right now and that we need them for different kinds of technology. So the desire to mine the moon is also human-based. I think it's helium-3, I think is what they want, because that, that can convert some kind of energy. I'm not, I'm not sure, but I think that's what it is. That's what, I think it's more than one, but I, that's one of them. Yeah, but, but it, it's so interesting. Like, but I, uh, you, you would wonder, like, uh, like, from what the people in the Secret Space Program tell me, they tell me that the people on Mars don't know about us, and we don't know about them. Like, and like, and I wonder why I just, I just, it, it boggles my mind why they would keep that secret. And then they put out this front, like Elon Musk is going to go to Mars and be some hero. Well, like you said, they're already there, right? Right. Yeah. I found um, uh, two, what I call habitats that uh, look contemporary and that looks like, you know, something that uh, ha has been designed by people here on the earth. And there's uh, one of them in the, Northern Hemisphere. I found that one first. It's about 700 feet in length. And it was five years later when I was touring the Southern Hemisphere that I found a second one. Looked very similar, except it really was 10 times bigger. It was 7,000 feet in length. So it's those kind of things that, um, you know, give real credibility that, you know, there's some real activity going on in Mars right now. Yeah. And one thing I wanted to cover before we get into the underground bases is um, you send a lot of emails out. I, I subscribe to your newsletter. I think it's amazing. I think what you do is like so interesting. Every time I get an email from you, I get excited because there might be something new there. Yeah, it's, it's really it's yeah. And a lot of the stuff that goes on around on the Internet is honestly it's recycled. So can you talk about some of the stuff you've been covering lately or like some of the stories you've uncovered? Like if you remember. Yeah, let me pull one up for it uh, for just a second because um, it's. I'd actually like to read just a part of it to you. Let's that see here. Good. Give me one second here, or a couple. While you're doing that, I'll just... okay, I got it. I got it. Um, I know that probably most of your listeners are familiar with Dr. Michael Michael Sala because he's involved with Exo Politics. Yeah. and the secret space program. And he has been making um, a claim that uh, there was a secret meeting, and I'll remember the date on this. There was a secret meeting on January 7th of this year um, 
and I'm going to quote it now. On January 7, 2023, an alleged meeting occurred at a secret underground military facility in the Blue Ridge Mountains to discuss an extraterrestrial disclosure plan developed by an Earth Alliance of military leaders and the Galactic Federations of Worlds. His quote goes on much longer than that, but that's the important part. All right, that was January 7th. The day before that, I got an email from a retired uh, U.S. Air Force veteran who had been driving from Tennessee back to uh, North Carolina. And I'm going to read that to you because it happened the day before this alleged meeting supposedly happened. And the veteran said, I saw something very strange today. About 3.30 in the afternoon, clear blue skies, enjoying the ride, I was returning from Gatlinburg on 441 through the Great Smoky Mountains National Park, and it passed the Tennessee line coming down the mountain when I saw a flash on the left on the ridge line. I then saw a massive silver metallic object between the peaks. It seemed to be moving in the same direction as I was traveling. It disappeared and showed up at the next dip in the ridge line. I heard no sound, saw no lights or windows, I pulled over. I was trying to rationalize what I saw and couldn't. I think it was cigar-shaped, but I did not see the leading edge or the trailing edge, only the center mass. I can't wrap my head around it. I am an Air Force veteran and have worked the flight line, and nothing about this makes sense. I was curious, frightened, and strangely enough, very angry afterwards. I thought I'd put this out to see if someone else saw it too. In my book, about underground military bases. I talk about one that's beneath the Great Smoky Mountain National Park. And this via, this uh, object he saw flying would have either gone right over it or hovered over it on the day before this, uh, this announced meeting by Dr. Michael Sala. To me, that gave some credibility that maybe that meeting really happened. Wow, that's huge. Oh my God, I can't wait to put this out. This is like, this is huge because like it, it's, we always hear stuff like, it, but the thing I like about you, Mary, is like, you're, you seem like you're a little bit skeptical like me. Like, it seems like you want evidence, like, but like that's evidence right there. That kind of ties those events together in like a way that can't be denied, right? Well, it, it still is not conclusive, but when something like this appears the day before an intergalactic meeting supposedly happened in the same area, I think that gives uh, gives us certainly something to think about. Yeah, I would agree. Now, getting into these dumbs, can you tell us about the dumb near you or the, the deep underground military base? Believe it or not, there's I found five. So oh we'll start with the one I just mentioned. Uh, from what from the five that I've learned about, this is the newest one. I first began to hear about it. I think it was back in 2013. And again, another uh, former military guy who I had become friends with, you know, that had nothing to do with any of this. And I had every reason to trust him. And one day he started telling me about the enormous amount of um, unusual planes and stuff flying low over the Smoky Mountain National Park. And some of these were the kind that are used for carrying, um, oh, large, large equipment. And he even got a picture of one where the back tailgate hasn't even closed yet as it's coming out low from the park 
going up into the air and the, the back gate, you know, is in the process of being closed. Um, there were osprey, which are, I don't mean the bird, there's a helicopter called an osprey. And um, it's it it can pick up like a train car and move it around. And so he's seen those in that area. We got pictures of some of this. And not only that, well, let me tell you something else. The way wait, it actually- wait, 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 first, can you explain, but I don't want you to lose your train of thought, but like, can you explain like how this is hidden from the public? Like, where is it? What's the geographic location look like? I mean, like, is it, is there like a, like a, like, is it like, um, like a camouflaged entrance or something like absolutely, that? Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I have never seen the entrance. It is not accessible to any public person. Uh, we find out about it in indirect ways. Uh, the first time we, there's this man that I mentioned, he and his wife were both former military and they were just at the intersection of Highway 74 and the road that goes into um, the Great Smoky Mountain National Park in Cherokee, the reservation. And they saw this truck pulled over to the side and it had what looked like a decontamination chamber on the back of it. Now he had seen these from the military days. So he went over and talked to the driver and the driver was waiting, um, it was a female, and she said she was waiting for the rest of the people to show up. And they were creating a, a like a, a convoy. Uh, and she didn't say much more than that. They, this couple waited around and watched and other vehicles showed up. Some of the, the escorts had guns that you could see or rifles long, long, I don't know what they were, but they were obviously not pistols. And this couple followed this group of vehicles, all with um, Navy tarps over them. And it went into the park, went into one of the campgrounds, uh, which is actually very close to the um, Public Information Center, which is the Konolovki uh, Visitor Center. They went into that campground, and as soon as they went in there, the gate was closed and nobody else could go in there. So that is one of the first pieces of evidence that something was going on. We've actually had uh, people take um, a road that's over this facility. Now the facility's not in the park where most people go. It's on the eastern part. Um, it's off of a, it's beneath a road called Hindtugi Road, which has got to be an old Indian name. And so back in 2013 and 14, when they were obviously constructing this place, um, people could hear and feel the vibrations. Uh, one person um, actually said it was like uh, driving a pylon into the ground. Like if you were going to build a bridge, and you know what it sounds like to pound that into the ground, the big support um, beams. And um, so that's another piece of evidence. Um, a lot of times the noise beneath uh, that people hear when they're near these facilities, it stops at like five o'clock in the morning. They'll do it at night when there's not too many people around. And uh, then they shut down it when the sun starts to come up. What do you think they're doing down there? Like I mean, They were building an underground facility. And that's why I think it's very, very possible that is where this meeting was held. But what, what do you think uh, they're building them for? Do you think just for... Um, 
for uh what do you call that when you want to stay hidden from your enemy is it to stay hidden from the enemy or is it for some apocalyptic event or is it just to have you know like a, a place for you know civilians to go if, i mean well, well they would never do that what am i thinking like the government doesn't have our best interest in mind like but like so i was going to say is it is are they building it for everyone in case something apocalyptic happens but they would save themselves before they saved any of us i, I think i would be one of the last people to get a ticket to go underground but there's I mean, multiple <laughs> there's multiple reasons for these underground facilities and like i said I eventually f learned and researched about five of them here in Western North Carolina, which is all mountainous. Um, they can be there for survival for certain people. I don't think you and I will be let in the door, but it's a survival place. Some of these underground facilities are storing information, especially outside of Washington, D.C. or, um, you know, the head of government. They have... Um, you know, things they consider really vital information that they don't want to ever have destroyed. That's another reason. Uh, at another one of these facilities, um, a man told me about when he was a younger man, he had worked at a tree farm near a, a, one of these other facilities. And the, the people working at the tree farm, uh, Christmas tree farm, saw caged animals being brought into this facility. Why? Is experimentation supposedly is going on in some of the facilities um i i was told by another witness that uh, there's mind control experiments going on at another facility so they're not they have different purposes okay well I, one thing i talked about one, or one thing i heard you talk about on another podcast was like that people saw black vehicles going in there like the, those could be like cia or fbi or something like is that is that true as well mm, they're usually not quite that blatant about showing up at places like that um so i don't think that would be that common oh, okay now, what about the underground sounds that the people hear, like the explosions? Do you think that's like some kind of war with like reptilians or something like that? No, I don't. I don't. For example, we have one center that's known locally as Perry, P-A-R-I. Um, and we have another one that's beneath the Smoky Mountain National Park. Between those two, we heard, not we, people who lived on the mountain ridge between those points would feel and hear grinding and pounding and different kinds of underground underground sounds, but they would only last for a certain amount of time and then it would stop. Our theory is that um, there are connecting tunnels and many people say there actually are connecting tunnels that will connect these different facilities and that what these people were experiencing for a short amount of time was the underground boring of uh, tunnels and these underground boring uh, machines are huge. Um, they're much bigger than a than a, a train, and they're they're basically round. And they some they seem to be able to just melt the rock as they go through it, and they can create uh, up to about seven miles of tunnel in a day. So I think some of the noise that's being heard is the the construction of those tunnels. Wow, that's amazing. Now, what about the UFO activity over the area? Because I know we kind of already kind of glanced over that, but like, I think it's important to talk about because do you think that's like theirs or ours or like, um, what do you, what would you think? Like, 
okay? Where the reason we started this website is because of UFOs. And the and the name of the website is skyshipsovercashers.com. Cashers is the name of a town, a mountaintop town here in Western North Carolina. It's spelled just like a cashier at the at the grocery store. So that's where we started. But since then, we have learned about the underground bases. We've learned about um, ETs. We've learned about Bigfoot. We've learned about Cherokee little people. It's just kind of a hotbed for very unusual phenomena. And uh, we have all of it going on here, which keeps me entertained. The, the Cherokee little people cracks me up. Like, does that really like, I mean, like, I I, I know we talked, we talked about that before, but like, what what's going on with that? Like, have you had any updates on that? Um, yeah, one thing that happened since I did the book, which is called Cherokee Little People Were Real, is that I've been contacted by people who've told me about the little people, at least in small numbers, still exist today in this area, in remote areas. Uh, they wouldn't have told me these things if I hadn't come out with that book because they wouldn't have trusted me. When they saw that I was sincere about this book, then they approached me. Uh, one of the things that um, stands out in my mind right now is a couple who live about two ridges away from where I live, maybe three, I don't know, but they're close. And they live at the top of a ridge. Uh, it's a gravel single lane road to get to their place. And they have a game cam outside their entranceway or their driveway. And a bird or something triggered it. And off in the background, you can see what appears to be a little person. This couple debated between themselves before they contacted me. Uh, one thought it was just a spirit, and another one thought it was, you know, a real Cherokee little person. Um, and then I did an experiment. If you take like a video or a photo, and you turn up the um, you may you turn up the extreme on the visual. Anything that's alive will go to magenta. A ghost will stay white. And so I found photos that are supposedly really legitimate ghost photos. What? And 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 it turned up the, the contrast. The ghost stayed white. And in one of the photos, there's a ghost playing on the floor with a little live child. That a little child went to magenta and the ghost stayed white. Can you send me so these? when we did when we did this to the little person in the woods, it went to magenta. So it wasn't a spirit; it was a live uh, little human. Oh my God, this is fascinating! But like, and, how are you? And one of the, the the husband went out there, and he kept they marked it by a tree. You know how tall it might be, and they went back and measured it by the tree, and it was about three and a half feet tall, which is what I've heard over and over and over again that they're about three three and a half feet in height. Now, I'm talking specifically about Cherokee little people. Uh, the term little people can cover many, many different things, but that's what I'm referring to when I talk about Cherokee little people. They look like Cherokee and they're little. And they, they supposedly live underground, right? I think it's safer underground. Because they're, they're, they're not seen by humanity or they don't want to be a part of humanity. Um, some of the Cherokee people have uh, become friends with some of the little people, and sometimes it's just a, I don't know, it's not exactly a friendship, but the Cherokee people will put out, some of the old timers will put out food for the little people, and 
they tell stories about if they don't put the food out, pebbles will start coming on their roof as if to imagine, you know, remind them that uh, the food hasn't been put out for them. Um, there's lots of lots of stories about uh, little people. And I was surprised when I wrote the book, I thought I was um, simply writing about history, but there are still a few around in remote areas. Wow. And, and there could be even more. I mean, it could be a whole civilization of them. Who knows if they're living underground, right? I mean, we... Well, at one time there was obviously a very large uh, community of them. Uh, Western Carolina University is in Cullowee, North Carolina, which is, again, close to where I am. And I had the good fortune of talking to elderly men who had been involved with con early construction of that campus, like right after World War II or maybe just before it. And um, they found these little square tunnels uh, all over where they built the campus. And these were all built in real dense red clay. They were square cut with an arched top to it, which would make it stronger. And um, they, were all, they were found all over the campus. So at one time there was quite a community of little people right where that university is now. That's so fascinating. Now, one thing I wanted to cover is you talked about ghosts. Like what made you start, how did you get these ghost photos? And like, what made you start knowing to take pictures of them? Like, how did that come about? Okay, I did not take ghost pictures. Okay. I found sources of ghost pictures which had credibility to them. And then I tested them by turning up the contrast on my computer and um, it just experimented to see what would happen. And the ghost never turned magenta and all the people, even the pale white people went magenta. And what are the ghosts like, what, like, what do they, do they show up in their like human form? They look like they have a, still have a human form, but they're just like, kind of like interdimensional or what's it look like to you? Well, the one that's coming to mind right now is the one that was on all fours playing with a child on the floor. So the little kid probably could see this ghost and um, it it was a cross between a full body and a skeleton. I mean, it, it looked like something in between the two. But I'm not an expert on ghosts. My personal theory on ghosts is that ghosts um, are lost souls who are too stuck here where they used to live. And they need to go on. And there's many ways you can say that. You need to go toward the light is the most common thing. And uh, there is a man that um, I interviewed and did a story about many, many years ago. And he, um, it, his purpose is to help free some of these souls. And he um, focused on the battlefields of Virginia from like uh, the Civil War. And he, could, he has the ability, he could see these souls that were stuck. And he talked them into heading toward the light so that they wouldn't be in this stuck state i so i feel sorry for ghosts yeah yeah it seems like it seems like and then you have those those kind of ghosts if you think about it they're um i think they call it a um oh man i can't think of the two different kinds but there's the kind that's kind of like a like a tape that plays over and over and over again i'm trying to think what they a loop that. they use the word a loop it's like a memory loop or just yeah repeating yeah. over and over again yeah um, i i wonder if that's kind of like an imprint on time or something like like a residue of time kind of like does that make any sense or no i don't know how to expel explain the loop thing um because you 
Well, and as, I don't know. They may just keep replaying that part of their life before they died, like those soldiers that were stuck on the battlefield. They apparently were just reliving that experience over and over again. So I guess that's like your loop. But this man was able to help them and make them realize that they could be free of that. And and who wants to be stuck in even the emotions of battle? I mean, you don't want that for the rest of your life. That's a type of hell. Yeah, that is. And then uh, I want one more thing I wanted to ask you about before we go for tonight is like you wrote a book on Bigfoot. And I know you know a lot about Bigfoot. And we talked about it before. Do you have any updates on Bigfoot or anything like that? Just some fun things. Um, there's a wonderful uh, woman who has had Bigfoot living on her land since she was a child. And she has the ability to communicate with them and interact with them. And she's so good at it that she, that Dr. Igor uh, Bertset from Russia invited her over there uh, when they were trying to prove that Bigfoot were real. So she has a whole lot of credibility to her. And uh, one of the articles that I posted was um, uh, female Bigfoots want to be pretty too. And she mm -hmm. said that they will take flowers and put it in their hair, that they will take um, like broken branches that have multiple like sticks on them and use them for a comb. Um, and they like flowers. And one day one of them asked if she would put a red ribbon out for, for her because um, she wanted a you know red ribbon. And then one day her child, her daughter was out playing with her Barbie dolls out under a tree in the front yard. And when it was time to come in, she brought in all of her dolls, but she forgot her brush. And the brush was still out there. And it was one of those kids, that, one of those that had like animation on it. And the mother said, well, we'll get it in the morning. So Robin took her kids to school. When she came back, that brush was on the front porch and it had red tangled hair in it. So she asked the uh, Bigfoot what happened and one of the females had taken the brush. She had seen the little girl brushing the hair on the doll and she tried to brush her hair with it and her hair probably was so tangled that it broke the brush, but she didn't intend to break it. And so they returned it to Robin broken, but on the front porch. Oh, that's so interesting. Like they're, they're really just like us. They're like people too, almost, right? Yeah, good and bad. Um, mostly people like to focus on those that aren't very nice. Um, and the Bigfoot, are, whether they're good or bad, are very telepathic. And so the, the good ones, the ones that are really much more human than we are, you know, than we would think, um, are gravitated or gravitate toward people who are kind and loving. And if they see people coming that want to kill them or people that are running around with guns and stuff, they are gone. They don't want anything to do with people like that. So the ones that are making the most insteps um, with the, um, or inroads into the Bigfoot way of life are those that are compassionate human beings. Wow. That's, 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 that's fascinating. It, it really is. Like I, I'd, I'd love to just see a Bigfoot. Like I'd love to have an experience. I mean, like I want, I want to see one under controlled conditions. Like if was, if one was out in front of my house and we slowly came toward each other, I could deal with it. It just suddenly appeared at my glass window. I, I pro my heart would probably be beating a zillion miles an hour. So it's sort of like, let's do this easy, you know? 
Yeah, I think that would be how I would be with uh, UFOs too, because like you never know what's going to happen. I mean, you hear all the the negative abduction stories, like, and we have to realize that there's good and bad in everything, you know. And some of these uh, Bigfoot, you know, apparently aren't so nice. But my God, I certainly have run into plenty of people who've had good experiences with them. There's a a man who worked for um, a sheriff's department down in Florida. And he got cancer, so he had to retire early. And he came up here, and he moved to out in the country, out in the mountains, uh, and lived off an old logging road. And one of the things he did was he started growing organic food himself just to help himself get healthier. Uh, it's an involved story, but he eventually became friends with Fred. He named him Fred. And Fred's Fred had a wife and two uh, uh, teenagers. And Fred would come down to the garden when um, this guy was uh, tending the garden and uh, they would communicate telepathically. Um, and of course uh, they shared food from the garden. Wow. That's fascinating. Wow. This is all amazing stuff. Well, I don't have any other questions. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about tonight or cover before we go? I guess the main thing I wanted to point out was that, I think that balloon is being used because it can hover for a while. It can control its direction for a while um, with, because it has a rudder and it has a propeller. And so we saw it, many people saw it over Montana and over Missouri and over Western North Carolina. There are security reasons at all three of those locations uh, that might be of great interest, in, interest to the Chinese that's 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 fascinating in itself like it makes me wonder like what kind of real spy games are going on like i mean like if you would think though if they have that here what do you what do you think we we have the best technology in the world i mean so we have to be doing it to them it's to some certain degree it's not like we're not fighting back like we have the the i mean like i don't have much faith in the government but i know they have insane technology so we have to be doing something similar, but maybe not in the same way. Like, like with our drones, for example, we fly drones. Of, we can bomb places, but we have bombed places with drones. We took out that Iranian general, what was his name? Um, Husseini, I think his name was, or, or something like that. Like they took them out with a drone strike. You know what I mean? So like, I, I just, it, it, seem, it, it, it seems like weird that they would let it get that much information. But I know why you're saying why they didn't, because they didn't want to shoot it down and cause a problem but like do you, but do you, they also wanted to be able to retrieve it so they could see how advanced that system is there's real good reason to do um balloons for spying they're cheaper to produce they're um smaller and they're cheaper to launch and easier to launch so you know if you launch a satellite that's a big expense at every step of the way so you can have a lot of spy balloons you know, where you might only be able to afford one satellite. Oh, wow. That's, that's fascinating. This is, this is all fascinating stuff. Well, um, can you tell everybody where to find your books, where to find your website and how they can sign up for your newsletter so they can get the, the awesome stuff you put out by email and, uh, and thank you, by the way. Thank you. Um, the website is skyshipsovercashers.com. Cashers is spelled like the cashier at the grocery store. If you go there, uh, you can find out about my books by opening up Editor's Corner. There's a little summary of each one of the books. All of the books are available um, through Amazon. 
the most recent one is Spy in the Sky. It's one I wish everybody could look at, take a look at. It's a picture book uh, because there are photos, color photos on almost every page. So you can see a lot of detail. And I think people will be totally surprised at how much um, is really happening at the bottom of the ocean in Antarctica, you know, on Mars, on the moon. Um, the other books we've mentioned, uh, Bigfoot Beyond the Footprints. Um, another one is Cherokee Little People Were Real. Uh, the other one is uh, Jesus Beyond the Foot uh, Jesus, Tangible Evidence Left Behind. Um, I don't know if I got them all or not, but there's five of them, and there's a summary of each one under Editor's Corner. And Please. also on the homepage, you can find out how to contact me. That's that's awesome. And what, one thing that we never covered before is like, what did you find on the ocean floor in Antarctica? I might have covered Antarctica, but I, we never talked about the ocean floor. What's going on down there, real quick? If you don't there know. are humongous ancient ruins uh, in the Pacific along the whole western course um, um, continent from Alaska down to the Baja. Of all the ones I found, the one that intrigues me the most is one that looks just like an airport in the Baja or California, Sea of California. And I have a picture of uh, a regular airport today right next to it. So you can compare and see how truly similar they are. The significant difference is that that thing is 39 miles long. The longest airport in the world today is just slightly more than three miles. It's a huge difference. Everything I found has been on a grand scale. So that ancient civilization that has been submerged into the ocean um, had to be populated by a very large uh, human species or type beings, I should say. Wow. And you, and you may have heard of Lemuria or um, Pan or Mew. That is supposedly a continent that sank into the Pacific zillions of years ago. Um, and this would certainly give some credibility to those old, 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 old legends. Well, why don't you think people are investigating that? Like I don't know, but maybe I, I hope the book um, uh, inspires some people to do that because if somebody has the equipment to go down and explore some of these things, that would be really wonderful. That would be fascinating. That would be, that would be, that would be amazing. And you know what, even if that stuff was over in like, say like, they say like the things can shift, right? So like the earth shifted many times. There was a point where our earth was one big continent, I think. Like, we, you know, right. we talk about That's Tataria right. and stuff like that. Like, <laughs> like, so no matter wherever Lemuria was, it could have shifted right into those waters after you know, earth shifts or, you know, natural disasters, great floods, all, all that stuff, like whatever, it, it all could cause it to possibly move to where you're finding it, I think, you know, and that would make perfect sense, I think. Well, take a look at the pictures and see what you think. It's, yeah. it's, it's like I said, I wish everybody could see the photos in that book. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, thank you, Mary. And I'll send you a link when I post this. I appreciate it. You have a good day. All right. Have a good night.